This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Before jumping into today's show, I want to remind you that the Happy as a Mother podcast is now the MomWell podcast. While our name is changing, our mission remains the same to empower moms like you by providing the knowledge, tools, and support you need to navigate the challenges of motherhood. On the MomWell podcast, we understand that motherhood is hard, but access to care and psychoeducation shouldn't be. We're committed to putting moms back on the priority list. I want every one of you to know how truly grateful I am for your support. You have helped shape and grow this community with your listens, your reviews, and your participation and comments on social media. It's because of you that we've been able to grow and evolve the platform. And it's because of you that we're able to show up the way we do and help moms everywhere. With the launch of MomWell, we're working diligently to bring you even more resources, learning opportunities, and services than ever before. Thank you so much for being a part of the Happiest Mother community, and I can't wait for you to be a part of MomWell. You're listening to the MomWell podcast. Today, I am so excited to welcome Libby Ward, or as you may know her, Diary of an Honest Mom to the show. Libby has grown a dedicated community of women and mothers from all around the world on TikTok with 1.3 million followers. Her really relatable and fun way of talking about such complex and important issues in motherhood has really resonated with so many mothers who have experienced the struggles and the challenges that Libby talks about and feel seen and understood and validated by her content. I've invited Libby to join us today to talk about mom guilt the things that contribute to it, if all mom guilt is equal and the same. And we start to unpack the societal expectations that really fuel and feed this mom guilt. This is a really open and honest conversation about the motherhood contract that we have been subscribed to, most likely without even being aware of the fine print and what we were getting ourselves into. And how do we change it now that we're in it? This is such an important conversation. Get ready. You don't want to miss it. Let's hear my chat with Libby. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWell, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Libby, thank you so much for being here with us, taking the time to be on the show. You and I have gotten to hang out in person, gotten to know each other kind of off air. And I'm just so excited to have you here and have this conversation with you today. Thanks so much for having me. I love the work that you do. I love how you help moms. And I feel like this conversation is going to be wonderful because we align on so many things and I just love you. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, like likewise, we've been messaging kind of like every single topic that we speak about is in parallel with each other. And we bring these really interesting perspectives from our different walks of life. And like, I have to laugh because one of the things I was thinking about in preparing for this interview was we were at Mom Fest like what, a few weeks ago. And you were like, Erica, like, what kind of friend are you? And I'm like, oh, like, what friend am I in the friend group, right? Like, we used to have this friend group, actually, that we used to call the Barbies. Really embarrassing. Young adults, the decisions we make. And I was the, like, professional, serious, like, work hard kind of one in the group. And you're, like, silly and free-flowing. You're like, come on, Erica, like, loosen up with me. And we just had such a fun time. So I appreciate the... I want to say humor and lightheartedness that you can bring to such complex topics for your audience. Like that's a real talent and ability you have to break things down in such a relatable way. And like how, let's back it up for a minute to how this even began for you. How did you get into the TikTok space talking about like mental health and mom's mental health in her role? Well, it was 2020 and it was March and there was a pandemic. Mm, that'll do it. <laughs> and that mm. is how it all began. Yeah. I worked in education for 10 years. And a week before everything shut down, I was working in a grade seven classroom. And these kids were doing this like weird thing with their arms. And I was like, what are you doing? And they were like, oh, it's a dance from TikTok. And I was like, what is TikTok? And they were like, oh, it's this social media <laughs> platform where you do dances and you share them. And I was like, don't do that. Like, that's dangerous to go on the internet. Like, you guys are kids. Like, you shouldn't post dancing videos on the internet. There's bad people. You shouldn't do it. <laughs> and then the pandemic hit. And I was like, I can see what this TikTok thing is about. I think it's just dancing teenagers. And I want to make sure, like, I can inform my students about the dangers of it. So I, like, downloaded it and became addicted very quickly because it turns out it's not just teenagers dancing under age. It's a lot of <laughs> educational resources and hilarious content for people our age. And I was at a point in my life and my motherhood journey where I was really struggling. And in my personal life, I was surrounded by a lot of people who didn't really talk about the hard things or their struggles. Mm. And even though I've always personally been an open book, I've kind of been the anomaly and it's been a little bit lonely. Mm -hmm. So I started making funny mom content and people really resonated. And that turned into really opening up about my journey and about my struggles and seeing not only that I wasn't alone, but getting this passion for letting other moms know that they're not alone and that the things they feel and experience are quite common mm -hmm. and that there are ways to sort of address them and validate them and be empowered to make changes. And that is everything from mental health to breaking cycles of trauma to just everyday things that moms struggle with that can be really easy to think you're alone in. So started on TikTok, moved to Instagram, and the rest mm -hmm. is kind of history. Yeah. I'm really curious for you when your, I want to call it healing journey started, because I can distinctly remember in my motherhood transition and journey, some really key moments for me that were like, oh, there's something going on here or I need to handle this. You know, did you have any particular moment or have you been really like insightful and like healing throughout your like adulthood and life or how did that unfold? You know, when I left home, became an adult, I was pretty set on not repeating the cycles of things I experienced growing up. I wouldn't have called myself a cycle breaker. I didn't have that language, but I knew that I wanted to live my life differently to how I grew up. 
And I would have said to anyone who asked me, I have forgiven the people who have hurt me in my childhood. I've moved past it. I'm good. I've given other people grace. Mm. I'm not angry. I'm not resentful. Like, I'm good. And I would have told anyone that I was fine. And I felt like I was fine. I wasn't someone who got triggered easily, didn't get angry easily. And then I had kids and a couple years in and a couple of kids in, I all of a sudden found myself getting triggered and wanting to do or doing or feeling like doing many of the things that I said that I would never do and being overstimulated and being angry and being resentful and really having those like martyrdom tendencies and self-sacrificing mindsets and this like people pleasing mindset, but at the same time being resentful. And I realized just how much I needed boundaries in my life. And I realized just how unhealed I was basically Mm. because, you know, before having kids, I didn't have the same stressors as I did having kids. And so many people say to me all the time, like, I wasn't like this before I had kids. It's like, yeah, but before you had kids, you could take a break. You could walk away. You could end a friendship. You could end a relationship that wasn't working. You could ghost people. You could get a new job. When you have kids, the things that are triggering you, whether it's your kids not listening or loud noises or always being needed or not having a sense of autonomy over your body or your money, like you can't just leave. Like, You're there constantly and we care so much about our kids. And so because we care, it's even like more important to do that work. And so I would say that it was a couple years into my motherhood that I really was like, I need to do the deep work. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. I knew that I needed to do the deep work when I started feeling those like really negative feelings towards others in my life and towards myself. And I realized I wasn't as healed as I maybe thought that I was. It's a really common occurrence, I find, when I entered motherhood, when a lot of my clients and people I speak with enter motherhood, where whether we had a traumatic upbringing or just, you know, tension in our relationships, and it resurfaces because we're now seeing it through a different lens, Mm. right? Like, so my parents went through a really high conflict divorce, for example. I had a really rocky time, really just contentious and lots of conflict and fighting and My son, my oldest son, is at the age right now that I was when shit hit the fan, you know? And so, like, as we're parenting these little humans, we're, like, I talk about we're got one foot straddling our own past and upbringing that can bring up trauma in such a different way that we hadn't processed and dealt with before. And it's surprisingly common in a part of this motherhood journey that Like, again, one of those blind sides, those invisible loads that we didn't know about. Absolutely. And I've heard it said that at each new stage and age that your children hit, you almost re-realize different traumas or difficulties or unhealed things that you haven't faced before. It's like this weird reminder of, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this happened. Or even like I can think of an example of the first time my daughter came home from school And she told me either that she was left out or someone had made fun of her, something like that. And I was validating that it was hard and talking her through it and encouraging her and pouring into her. And I had this weird moment simultaneously where I was proud of myself for being the parent that I believe my daughter needed while grieving that I never had that. Mm, And all mm -hmm. of a sudden was reminded of the times that I would come home and say the same things. And 
was just made to feel like I was making a big deal out of nothing and that it was fine and that, oh, they probably just like you or they're jealous or just different, really invalidating things. And it was like this wound inside of me was just ripped open Mm -hmm. that I thought I had moved past, that I thought I was fine with. And it was really hard because I was like, oh, I'm having these simultaneous emotions of like, I'm so glad that I can do this, but gosh, it hurts that I could never have experienced that. And I just see it over and over again in my parenthood at every new stage. I'm like, oh yeah, there's that. There's that too. Mm -hmm. I had a really similar experience when I finally identified that I was ADHD at 34 years old. And the way that I came about identifying that, one, TikTok sniffed me out. Thank you, algorithm. But also one of my sons is neurodivergent. So we were going through working with his pediatrician on getting him assessed. And it really caused me to like introspectively look at the things that he's experiencing and and what I had experienced. And it kind of all unfolded from there. And I'm really determined for him to set him up with the skills and the things he needs from the get-go. And like also having relief to name what my experience is too. There was like an element of relief. But then my husband, we were having a conversation. He's like, I don't know if you remember like how like tearful and upset you were for days after that because you didn't have that support or something like that, right? Like that grief that comes up. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not a matter of being angry at, you know, your parents or saying they're bad parents for not doing it, but it's just allowing yourself to acknowledge that that does suck and you're allowed to grieve. Yeah. I talk to a lot of people who like they struggle with acknowledging that they had trauma or acknowledging that things their parents did negatively impacted them or that they have to heal certain things because they're like, my parents are wonderful. They're loving, they're kind, they did the best they could. And it's almost like by trying to protect our parents, we fail to acknowledge or validate our own experiences and emotions. Mm. And two things can be true, that your parents loved you and did the best they could with what they had. And you still got hurt and you still have to heal. You still had needs that went unmet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? I think that the further along in my healing, I get the more that I can see that just my parents lacked the capacity. They lacked the understanding. They lacked the resources that I have now. So there's like, again, not that anger, as you said, but there is also this like the grief of those needs still went unmet. Right? And so that's the part that is like, I guess what we would put under the reparenting umbrella or the work that we do where we learn to validate our own feelings and to not minimize them. We learn to be self-compassionate and really start to course correct that inner critic, right? And this is all really interesting because it plays into the topic that came to mind when inviting you on today is mom guilt. And because it's like, you're talking about how we're learning to see our own needs and validate ourselves, But I think that we've been so, at least in my experience and, and many others that I've talked to, so focused on maybe pleasing our parents or on their emotions, like their emotions were the ones that were centered growing up or, you know, our partners because of our gender norms, various things that we don't like really stop and look at our own needs, you know? And so this plays into feeling guilty and like we're failing at every turn. I feel like, I don't know, how do you maybe define or unpack mom guilt? Like what do you put in that bucket of mom guilt? I would define it as this collection of negative feelings that contribute to feeling 
like we're not doing enough, we're not being enough, or constantly feeling as though our actions, choices, or even our thoughts are going to negatively impact our children. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I felt guilty for thinking my kid was annoying and that for being irritated, I thought, I feel so bad. I'm an awful mom. Right. That the sound of my child laughing or crying Mm. or talking is irritating me. And I felt like that meant that I wasn't enough or that I was a bad mom. And it just goes back to, first of all, this societal expectation that as soon as you become a mom, you cease to exist as a human or have human needs or responses or feelings. But then also this conditioning throughout my childhood, a lot of our childhoods, that other people's needs, emotions, experiences are more important than ours, mm-hmm. right? So whether that came from your parents and you know us constantly putting our needs to the side for them, or even the societal norm of women are there to serve and care for others. Yeah. So we feel guilty for having those feelings. And so sometimes there's guilt, you know, where I've done something wrong and I feel bad about it. But then there's the guilt, and this is the concerning guilt for me, where it's unnecessary and unproductive and doesn't make sense. I feel guilty for being tired. I feel guilty for being irritated. I feel guilty for wanting a break. That really damages, I think, the mental health of moms. Mm -hmm. I think about that experience of coaching my daughter through a difficult social interaction at school and validating her. And on top of the pride and the grief, there was this third emotion of guilt of, I feel guilty that I'm grieving for myself Mm. while I'm trying to help my daughter. Like almost this voice in my head of like, how dare you be thinking of yourself while your daughter is going through this? How dare you be sad for your own emotions? You're an adult now, get over it. Mm. It's your kid who has a problem. You need to just buck up and get over it. And it's just that little voice where... It constantly tells us you're not allowed to have your own experiences and emotions. And if you do, that negates your love for your children or that negates how good of a mom you are. But it's not true. We can have these negative feelings and emotions and we can be good moms who love our children. But it's really hard to fight against when there's all those social norms. And it's a really complex topic. It is. It's like, I mean, I have a workshop on mom guilt. And when we dove into it and we really unpacked it, it's like, what a tangled web this is, right? Mm, Like, it's just mm -hmm. like, there's so many variables and things that play into this. But one of the things I want to highlight that you're talking about is we've got mom guilt as like the gut-wrenching feeling that we know that wants us to like sink into a hole in the ground and like never come out, kind of hide away, pull away, kind of sinking feeling. And actually, like in the work that I do, I would differentiate that as shame. Mm-hmm. So we've got guilt. And this is what comes from Brene Brown's research and work a lot of it mm-hmm. as well, is that guilt being an actual like productive emotion that says, ooh, that doesn't feel good. I made a choice that is out of alignment with my values. And I see it as a bad choice that I don't want to make again. Like it, it feels outside of me. It feels like yes. I can course correct. It feels like a tinge of discomfort that like, kind of brings us back in line with our values, right? But then we've got shame. And that's what we're really talking about when we're talking about mom guilt. Absolutely. Which is the, oh, I made a bad choice and I am a bad mom as a result of that. Like, oh, I raised my voice. I am the worst. Like, I'm clearly not the mom these children need, or I'm clearly not cut out for this role. And that choice that we have made now becomes the reflection of 
who we are and our worth and value as a person in our role. Mm. And when we get in this loop and this mindset, we can't problem solve or think about how to do it differently because if we're the problem, we are flawed and nothing can be changed. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, if we label all of it as mom guilt, it becomes very difficult to differentiate and very difficult to find solutions because mom guilt for screaming at your child and throwing a tray of cupcakes they just decorated across the room is different than mom guilt that is felt for going grocery shopping alone. Right. Because feeling guilt for going grocery shopping alone is almost this, I'm like, I don't know if I want to say it's not mom guilt, but it's what I like to call unnecessary or unproductive mom guilt. It doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense. That's not something you need to feel guilty for. That's maybe a mindset you need to work on, but that's not something you've done wrong. It's something Mm -hmm. that you are struggling to do because of, you know, your mindset, how you've been socialized, conditioned. The guilt that you feel for screaming at your child and throwing cupcakes across the room can be, I shouldn't say is, because if you don't do anything with it, it's not productive, but it can be productive guilt that says, that does not align with my values. That is not the mom I want to be. That's not how I want to be remembered. That's not how I want to make my child feel. My child didn't deserve that. And then you can take that guilt and say, what am I going to do with the guilt? Mm -hmm. Am I going to reach out for tools and resources? Am I going to take better care of myself so that my capacity increases? Am I going to go and apologize and repair? What am I going to do with that guilt? Mm -hmm. And so the guilt, we can do something with it. Mm -hmm. But feeling guilty for going grocery shopping alone, I mean, this doesn't sound very professional, but I call it stupid mom guilt. Like it doesn't make, (laughs) it doesn't make sense. Like you shouldn't feel guilty for having emotions And so I just really like to separate those things. Yeah, I totally see that. I see exactly what you're saying. And the one feels like intensive mothering societal expectations. So we need to be everything, give everything, always be present, be self-sacrifice and give all of our resources, time, energy to our child. And so when we're not doing that, when we're not being 100%, right? We take a day out of tucking in because we're just over it. We go alone, even though the kids were screaming at the door because they wanted to come with us. Like when we're not intensively mothering, we feel guilty that we're not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Like I feel there's like a real, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. And that kind of falls under that category. Yes. And then there's this guilt that you're talking about where like we act in ways that we vowed to ourselves we would never. And we know they're out of alignment with our values. Yes. And we fear, I think, so strongly to not repeating a pattern, like that we're so scared of doing harm that it's so important to us. And these are the moments where if we can't learn to depersonalize them or see something as a choice and look with some curious, non-judgmental eyes to say, what led up to the situation where I raised my voice and flipped the cupcakes? Like what Mm -hmm. happened there? I know I'm not a bad person. As Dr. Becky would say, I know I'm good inside, right? Yeah. But when we just like hook, line, and sinker go down that shame spiral. Shame spiral, yeah. It is me that is the problem. And there's no curiosity that gets employed in that situation. Yes. Curiosity is the word that I was actually thinking. Like for the last minute while you're talking, I'm like, it's curiosity. Being curious about what is going on inside of me. What is going on in my relationship? What went on today? What is going on in society that's weighing down? Like just what is happening that caused me to get to that point? And then what can we do 
about it. Mm -hmm. So I just released this guided journal that I have found helps me with mom guilt. And in the nighttime section, I have a part that says, get some grace. And so I have moms write out something they're feeling guilty for. It could be literally anything. And then I have little check boxes. And so you take the thing that you feel guilty for, and then you say, I'm either going to give myself grace and try again tomorrow, going to give myself grace and apologize, or, or and, give myself grace and seek out tools to improve. So that's that whole curiosity. Yeah. And then the last one is, I don't need grace. This guilt is not necessary or productive. And that speaks to that all or nothing mothering, having to do enough, right? And so this section is meant to be like, okay, let's name what this thing is we're feeling guilty for. And do we actually need to feel guilty for it? And if we do, what are we going to do with it? Mm -hmm. Like, because the shame spiral just makes us feel awful about ourselves. And the more awful we feel about ourselves, the less capacity we're going to have. And the less capacity we have, the more likely it is to happen again, Mm -hmm. right? So it's taking that shame element out of it Yeah. Looking at objectively and saying this thing happened. What led up to the thing happening? One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments. It's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists, with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's ZocDoc.com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com momwell. Mealtime with kids can be stressful, but with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. 
Want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world-leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast is a life-changing, science-based, myth-busting podcast. That's a must-listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Usually my husband and I will have this conversation when everybody is sick in the house. They'll be like, what? Like, who chose this? What is going on here? Like, there's regret. There's like, who? We weren't adults enough to make these decisions. Like, what's going on here, you know? And when we look at the moments when we're snippy and when we're having a hard time and we back them out and we look at what I would call vulnerability factors or the things that play Mm. in the situation, like for us right now, we've got a kid with a double ear infection. I have strep throat. I have another kid with strep throat. We've been like lacking childcare because the kids have been out of school. They're not really eating because they don't have an appetite because they're not feeling well. So if we all come home with the grumpies tonight and everyone's snippy with each other, I mean... There's grace for that, you know, like it's understandable given what's going on. And so being able to, as you said, like move out of that shame and then like broaden our lens of the situation to see the other factors that are at play. Yeah. And it's more than just looking at side at what's going on with us. I mean, there's the factors of mental health or trauma or I haven't slept well or I'm sick or things that are very like intrinsic or individual. But I always encourage people to look at the intrinsic and the individual, but also the social context as well. Mm-hmm. You know, the number of mothers in North America who are lacking childcare options in general or mm-hmm. who struggle to get good health care or, you know, the education system is failing their children or they're in a partnership that is maybe abusive or toxic or failing. And I think it really helps us. It's not to blame everyone else or to shift like, oh, well, it's not me, it's everyone else. It's just this full awareness and consciousness and curiosity of what are all the factors that are making this difficult? Mm -hmm. You know, my work situation and other things that are happening because we can so often just look at ourselves and not think about the other things that are making it difficult. Maybe the fact that you're living in poverty is making you more stressed. And maybe some of the factors that have caused you to go into poverty were out of your control as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so I can't stand this narrative where it's like, you're in control of everything. Like every choice you make and everything that happens to you is because of your choices. Like, you know what? Sometimes you were born into a toxic family. Sometimes you're born into poverty. Sometimes you were born into a geographical area where you are completely unsupported and you have a child with special needs and you can't access the supports you need and that causes you more stress. Yeah, it's a really privileged mindset, I would say, right? Absolutely. And it reminds me of the mom rage video that you did Mm. where it's like, maybe it's not mom rage. Maybe it's societal expectations. Maybe it's how we're failing mothers. Maybe it's pressures. 
Like, I think it's really interesting. It brings up Sophie, Dr. Sophie Brock's work in my mind because she talks about how mom guilt acts as a surveillance crew that polices us back in line to the societal norms and standards that we should adhere to as moms. So if we can be in our own isolated silo, policing ourselves back in line to be recommitting to try again in the morning and not looking like stepping out of the system and looking at how motherhood has been defined for us and say, what in the F? I didn't sign up for this social contract, as you call it, right? This is a social contract that was slipped under my nose without my real consent or signing that I can break out of. Yes. And it's not a flaw in me. It's not a lacking in me, right? Absolutely. I love the combination of inner consciousness work and sociological work to say we're aware of ourselves and our triggers and what happens to us and what we contribute to the situation. But we're also aware that this is not what we signed up for. And that's why I call it the motherhood contract, because we've all heard that. Well, you signed up for this. It's like, no, I didn't. I did not sit down with anybody and agree to being the carrier of the mental load. I did not sit down with anyone and agree that I would not have XYZ supports or that it would just naturally be assumed that I'm the one that organizes all the holiday family dinners or that I'm the one that should stay home when my child is sick or that I would do XYZ. And, you know, it's important to also pull apart. Some things have to do with our partnerships, but other things are just those societal norms that everyone expects mom to do. Yeah. And so when you say you signed up for this, it's like, no, I I I didn't sign up for this. I signed up to be a mom. I didn't sign up to be a mom in this social context. And we're often not privy to that social context until we're immersed in it. Yeah. Right? We're not having those conversations prior to motherhood saying, what does it actually mean to be a mom in North America in 2022? What are those expectations that are going to be on me? And what does that mean? And what's it going to feel like? Mm-hmm. It's really complicated. So it's definitely triggering for a lot of moms to hear that you signed up for this because we didn't. No, we were duped. We were blindsided, right. right? There was a fine print here that was like shrunken and like whited out and left out intentionally that none of us were really privy to. And had we known, maybe we would have decided things differently or got ahead of the wave that was coming that inevitably at some point we all crash into, you know? Like we would have been at least more prepared. It's kind of like we talk about informed consent in therapy, right? Like at least we would have been informed to know what we were consenting to versus like slipping it around the back door and here we are. Now we just have to deal with it, you know? Right. And I, you know, I grieve and like mourn for and have empathy for women who become mothers who spend so many years. Sometimes it takes one year, five years. Some, you know, their children have grown up and moved out before they finally realize, oh, it wasn't me. Mm. I'm not the problem or I wasn't the problem. It was how I was mothering. And, you know, I have women message me every day to say, you know, thank you for sharing that perspective. I thought I was the only one. I thought that I was just a bad mom. And it breaks my heart to think like how long we go before finally going, wait a second, I'm not the problem here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so much bigger than me. It's the whole social context I'm mothering in because, yeah. you know, moms who are living in a shame spiral, it negatively impacts everything. Yeah. 
our own mental health, our own well-being, our relationship with our children, our relationship with our partner, like, like everything. Right. And like, I have a real sort of mom centered stance that like when mom is well, our families are well and our families are thriving because, you know, we're just such a linchpin in the whole operation. Yeah. One of the things that you were describing brought up the work of Kate Mangino in my mind, and she was on here to talk about gender norms and sort of how we operate and fall into these norms. And it's not really by choice, like it's chosen for us. And it brought up a story in my mind that I'm actually writing about right now, where it felt like I was choosing to be the one to go on maternity leave when my kids were born because we had conversations about it. And it like made more sense because my husband earned more at the time and I was feeding and it made sense for me to be home. And like, it felt like a choice, but in retrospect that I've unpacked it now, there was nothing about it. That was a choice. The norms at work that are not conducive to him taking parental leave, the norms that just expect that I would take it, the various pieces involved actually left me with no choice at all in retrospect. And I think that these are the norms that shape this, like these are the societal and gendered norms. I say they're twofold, right? They're societal and they're gendered that shape our experience of motherhood that we're saying like, we don't have to adhere to these norms once we're aware of them. And I think that's what I was asking you sort of at the beginning of the episode is kind of like, when did this start for you? And I think what I'm really asking was like, when did you see, wait, I don't have to subscribe to this bullshit anymore. Like I don't have to follow through on these norms and live them out and embody them. Like I feel like there's a moment that we all come up against, right? Like that two-sided glass kind of like shatters for us. It was so multi-layered. Yeah. I get asked this question a lot. And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it was like three tidal waves coming in different directions that just smashed together. Mm. And... It really was around the time that I joined TikTok and my kids were three and five because I had been a parent who was struggling so much, who lived in a shame spiral. I had been going to therapy, trying to figure myself out, learning little bits and pieces about myself, reading all the self-help books, reading Brene Brown, like really coming to this understanding of myself and allowing myself to be vulnerable and allowing myself to share and allowing myself to feel like I belong, even when I didn't feel like I fit in. Mm -hmm. And all of this personal work, which is tidal wave one, Mm -hmm. combined with, at the time, I was finishing off my degree in sociology because I was hoping to become a teacher. And I found myself in all these classes during the pandemic, while the kids were at home, while I was on TikTok, learning about the socialization of motherhood and Mm. the socialized gender norms of what is expected of women and what's expected of men and how it's baloney and how it's completely different depending on the geographical location and the century and the timing and all the things and how right. how we experience womanhood and motherhood is completely dependent on the context that we are mothering in. And I was mm. like, oh gosh. So not only do I belong, not only am I enough, not only am I allowed to be vulnerable and acknowledge that these problems are real, but it actually isn't just me. It's society making it even harder and there's tidal wave two and then tidal wave three was social media it was tiktok it was millions millions of women commenting on my videos saying oh my gosh 
me too. I thought I was the only one. Yeah. I have had this experience. I had to do this because of this situation and this happened and me too. And me too, like all of that. And that was that third tidal wave of like, okay, it's not just me. I am worthy. I am enough. It's society. And then this sociological context I'm learning about is being proven day after day after day on TikTok Mm -hmm. for a Mm -hmm. year and me going, holy shit. Mm -hmm. Sorry. No. (laughs) Like, holy shit. It isn't just me. This is a huge motherhood narrative that needs to shift. Like, this is baloney. This is absolute baloney. Like that underpinning makes so much sense. Now that you say you have that like underpinning of the societal perspective, because like that's in Dr. Sophie's work. Like I see that in your messaging of really like, look at the context we're in, you know? And isn't there something wildly freeing about that? When I started to look at you know, mothering in Black cultures, mothering in Indigenous cultures, mothering in different <gasps> countries and yes. societies around the world. I was like, you mean to tell me that not everyone is paralyzed with guilt and shame every single day and like worried about harming their child with every response that they give? Like, I finally was able to, in this like breakdown slash breakthrough, I call it, where I, you know, really started to take care of my mental health differently I really started to embrace and accept the fact that perfection is not attainable, that I am human, that I will upset my children, that they will have negative feelings towards me sometimes as their parent, that these things will happen. And so once I let go of the fact that perfectionism was even something to be attained and I could accept my humanity, things shifted. Like I could like tear up that motherhood contract and say, forget it. I'm going to define my own based on self-compassion, based on my own values, based on the things that are important to me and my family. And this is the contract now I'm going to abide by. And it was really like a ripping up moment. And for me, that moment was, I I can't be perfect. I can't do it all. There was a final just like crumbling under the weight of trying to be and do and respond and react perfectly that... I just accepted that I am, I say flawed, because I'm human, not because I'm spiraling in shame, but because we are all imperfect. And that acceptance really allowed me to construct my own contract. And we have to get there. Like these contracts are individual. They are nuanced. They are according to our values and our family dynamics. And we're blending my husband's West African from Benin you know, values and upbringing and culture and context with mine. And we can't do that with the existing contract that we just get handed. Like we've got to write our own. We've got to make our own. Yes. And we need to give ourselves permission to write our own Yeah, and be grounded in our worth and value so that the comments that come from the people in our life and society and social media and everything we see don't rock that. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's something that also needs to be addressed. Whereas it's one thing to come to this realization to say, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it different. I am writing my own contract, but also be prepared to be so grounded in it that the things people say are like, you know what? They just haven't come to the same realizations that I have. It's a them thing. I don't need to explain myself. I don't need to justify myself. I don't need to validate myself to them. I know that this is a contract that works for me and my motherhood and my social situation and my family with my kids. And that is enough. 
Right. Like when you start to mother differently and mm, go against the mm-hmm. grain of the culture, yes. how are you going to be able to live in the culture, but do you yes. like do motherhood yes. your own way? And it's a really valid point because those pressures don't go anywhere. Like it's still Absolutely. the governing context of motherhood is this intensive, perfectionistic, all-consuming. And so if you're going to do it differently then having, I would call that like the coping skills and the resources to be able to mm. be compassionate, talk your way through that, be resilient in that. Yeah. And I think finding like-minded people who share in that with you, I think helps to build the resilience and the coping skills, being on the same page with your partner and like, you know, coming up with family values as a system together. In therapy, I actually do with like moms and couples, something called a value sort where you get out all these cards and you lay them out on the table and you and your you know partner sit over a glass of wine or like a coffee or whatever and talk about and narrow down the top 10 family values you each have like for the home. I love that. And then you carve out your own individual values. And then maybe you've got separate values for mothering that are different from your individual. And you just really think about it and talk about it so that you have someone in the trenches with you when you are coming up against these pressures. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I also like to think about it as choosing to mother how we want to mother in a society that doesn't value mothers or how we mother, meaning Mm -hmm. like making those choices, being confident about your values, making your own contract and knowing that society may not approve of it. Yeah. And that's okay But I think that radical acceptance of Mm. this is how I'm expected to mother. I'm not going to do it that way. But knowing that that's still going to be an expectation that you're going to have to face and that you're going to have to come up against. You know, I feel like my handle, Diary of an Honest Mom, has really changed since I started from, Mm. you know, being humorous and funny or even not funny about, you know, the honest realities of what, you know, motherhood is into honesty, meaning this full awareness and consciousness and honesty about what it actually means. Like Mm. honesty about your external circumstances, honesty about your internal circumstances, this radical acceptance of society's version of motherhood and having to mother in that society and making informed decisions based on our values, like you said, and our capacity in that context still, because we can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to do things this way and completely ignore the context. Like the context is still there. The societal norm is still there. It still matters. And if we ignore it, not that we're not going to be successful, but it's going to be really hard if we don't acknowledge it or radically accept that that is still there, even if we choose to do it differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is so interesting to be able to hash out with you because I feel like, again, we share this brain and perspective in a lot of ways that is so sort of a unique angle on these topics. And I'm curious, as we think about wrapping up, like for those who are realizing they want to rip up the societal contract that they're in in motherhood, like, you know, they're, they're done, they're realizing, how would you say they can start to carve out their own? Like maybe where did you start or how would you suggest they start? I would start with doing inward work and outward work simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Meaning if you've never gone to therapy, if you've never addressed your trauma, if you've never addressed your mental health, if you've never addressed 
the negative ways you speak to yourself or maybe if you're a people pleaser or a perfectionist, if you've never asked yourself, why am I the way I am? How did I become the way I am? Getting curious about that, Mm. not taking on the whole load, but just starting to get curious, just begin a curiosity about yourself. And that can begin with a podcast or a book or journaling, but get curious about yourself and simultaneously start exposing yourself to information about the societal norm. Again, books, podcasts, social media accounts, unfollow the ones that make you feel like intensive mothering is the only way and start Mm. following people like Sophie Brock, like yourself, like other accounts that are going to reaffirm messages around the baloney that is a societal expectation. Mm -hmm. I like to encourage people just to do it a bit at a time. We don't have time to write a dissertation on (laughs) the new version of motherhood, Mm -hmm. but just start getting curious about like, why am I the way I am? And also what other things are impacting why it's so hard Mm -hmm. so that you're not so focused on yourself that you enter that shame spiral but we're also not so focused on society that we just blame and say it is what it is. You know, it's everybody else's fault that it's so hard. It's really combining that curiosity about external societal and internal individual. Yeah. I think that's really like beautifully put. I think that we, you know, in our 20, 30, 40 years of being in these gendered and social norms, are not going to write the new contract overnight, actually, the way that you explain it, right? Maybe today we decide to rip up the one that has been slipped by us and, you know, given to us. But there's something even really hopeful and optimistic about having a stack of empty pages, you know, that Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. they're not written today. Maybe we haven't carved it out. We don't have all the answers, but we know that there's a lot of possibilities that are not this loop and mom guilt perfectionist cycle that we've been living day in and day out. Like we can write something different and we don't know exactly what it is yet. And it's going to take us some unlearning. It's going to take us some introspection, as you said, some, I I would say really getting attuned to our values because our values have been shaped for us so often. Like that's work that takes time, but the possibility and the hope of just having blank pages that aren't defined for us is really something special. Yeah. And there's like, there's so much power in curiosity and honesty of going back to mom guilt. I'm feeling guilt about X, Y, Z and stopping to say, why do I feel guilty about that? Why? Why do I feel guilty about it? Is it because of what my partner said, what my mother-in-law said, what I told myself for 35 years? You know, why do I feel guilty about that? Mm. And beginning with that curiosity, that blank page of rather than going down that shame spiral, just getting really curious about it. Mm -hmm. And that's going to help you to be informed when you want to write that contract. Yeah, Because like you said, you're not going to do it overnight. You're not going to go, well, this is what I want. You're not going to know what you want the contract to be without taking the time to get curious about why it was what it was in the first place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think I wrap up and I leave the listeners with, you know, that, you are not flawed. The system is flawed. Mm. The contract is flawed. And we can rip it up and find some freedom. And there's work involved. And it's, it feels a little maybe unsteadying to not know what the new contract is. But when you do the work to be curious and start to write it for yourself, there's so much freedom and joy in that. Mm-hmm. So 
you're not flawed. It is not you. And we can rip this contract up together today. So thank you so much, Libby, for joining us and for being here. Where can people find you? Where can they find your journal? All the things. Thanks so much for having me. You can find me online, Instagram, TikTok, Diary of an Honest Mom. Same with my website. And you can find my journal either on my website or on Amazon. Yeah. And I've heard the reviews about how it's helped moms keep their mom guilt in check, which is such a tangible, practical tool. Because I think sometimes we don't know where to start. So I encourage you all, if you don't already follow Libby, to go and find her and check her out. Thank you for being here today. Thanks so much. Wasn't that such a great conversation? I absolutely love when I find people who share in the same passion and perspective I do on this motherhood contract, how we can rip it up and do motherhood differently and start over for ourselves. If you feel like you want to start some of this unlearning and you don't really know practically where to turn or what to do, I have created a guided journal called Your Motherhood Roadmap that takes you through a guided journaling experience to help you realize and see the motherhood roadmap that has been modeled for you, either by society, your own mother, and things that you have taken on as expectations, and then which ones you want to hold on to or let go of. And it takes you through the process of uncovering your own values so that you can really start to write that motherhood contract for yourself. Sometimes these are such abstract topics and we don't really know practically where to begin, but you can begin with the motherhood roadmap to start reflecting and unpacking some of the things that we discussed today. Head to momwell.com shop to learn more. That's momwell.com shop. I'll see you right back here. Same time, same place next week where I am being joined by Danae of the Simple Families podcast to discuss how to minimize mental clutter. You do not want to miss this episode. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash learning center. To join the Momwell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com slash newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to mom well. Settling is not an option for me. Everything I desire is already mine. What if you can have it all? Because every day is for the girls. Hello, hello. Welcome to For the Girls podcast, hosted by Victoria Alario, For the Girls Who Want More. Listening to For the Girls will have you ready to raise the bar, stop settling for the bare minimum, and start believing you can have it all and step into the 2.0 version of you. You can catch a new episode of For the Girls every Monday across all podcast platforms. Until next time, girls.